Welcome to the Popcorn Talk Network. For the online broadcast network that features movie discussion, news, and interviews, press one. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. In a world where action movies are constantly exploding at the box office, our heroes take on the monumental task of dissecting and analyzing all aspects of action movies to truly understand what it takes to make a great action film. Ben Bateman, Andrew Guy, in a Popcorn Talk Network exclusive, this is Action Movie Anatomy. Welcome to the show! Welcome to Action Movie Anatomy. It's the Moby music. You guys know that song? Oh my Extreme Ways? Already are back this. again. No? That, that, back again. You sing, it. sing it? No, I'm not going to sing it. <laughs> uh, it's the theme song from the Bourne movie. We're doing a Bourne movie today. Another one, except this time we are doing a Bourne movie without Matt Damon. This is the Bourne Legacy. This is Matt, Matt Haggerty, our special guest. Uh... Matt he, was here for our first episode. Yeah, this is episode 28, and he is coming back. Every 27 episodes Back come from back. the dead. Every uh, half year. I'm your host, Ben Bateman. This is Action Movie Anatomy on Popcorn Talk, the online movie network that discusses movies and all things movie-related. And I have my trusty co-producer and co-host, Mr. Andrew Guy, in a pink shirt today. It's pink. What's up? Let's talk some born. I'm ready. Yeah, we're about to be... The show's about to be reborn. Oh, my God. Can we start over? No, this is horrible. Now it's cut. Is the AC on? <laughs> Uh, so guys, this is uh, this is the Born Legacy. This was the one from 2012. It was the one that when I saw the trailer and I saw the poster, I was pretty sure they had just recast Matt Damon as Jeremy Renner. Right. Which uh, is ultimately, I think, the biggest flaw with the whole concept is that they just. I don't think that many people that probably saw the trailer or the poster didn't think anything other than that. Because right, yeah, it seemed like when this movie was advertised, it was like, hey, we're making a, we're like rebooting the series with a new person, even though the last movie came out a few years ago. Yeah, which was totally not the case. No, at all, completely different. And it's actually after watching it, it it's like you realize that like it's a very cool idea and it fits it fits the story really well. Yeah, no, it's cool. It's cool how it's like uh, it's like simultaneously going on with the end of Ultimatum, which but is it, the best of Bourne movies. Yes, yeah. it is your favorite. But this movie is so underrated and yeah. so forgotten. It's it's mind blowing to me. I think it's going to become a, like one of the best cable movies in like ten years. I think this is a better movie. Like it's cooler and more memorable than the second Bourne movie is. Yeah, see, that's tough because that's like my I have like a soft spot for that one for some reason. It's the one with the is that the magazine fighting? It's Carl Urban magazine fighting. Yeah, shit gets shot in the head in the beginning. Right, Fairly shaky cameras. You don't know what's going on. Lots of shaky cam. <laughs> Lots of shaky cam. Yeah. So uh, so Matt worked on this movie. That's that's why he's here as well as being one of our best friends. Um, he's not my friend. <laughs> He, uh, where, you guys, you were in the Philippines, right? Yeah, we were in Manila, uh, shooting the end sequence, the, uh, motorcycle chase, the rooftop sequence. Cool. Um, we were out there, I was out there for about two, two and a half months. Yeah. And you just got back, you were just working on, what, Neighbors 2? Is yeah. that right? Yeah. Super cool. Yeah. So. A little bit of different genre. Different yeah. vibe. Slightly less different. Action, less motorcycle stunts, more funny. Like, you were, like, thinking, you are like, well, Seth Rogen could have played the Jeremy Renner part, right? Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah? He could pull it off. Yeah. Jeremy Renner had, awesome. had wires for everything he did anyway. Everything. Stronger <laughs> wires. <laughs> Stronger <laughs> wires. <laughs> um, so this is, uh, this is the trailer for the movie. This is, like, the teaser trailer for the movie that we are going to show. And we're going to share our, our moments, our fist pump moments and our all that. I really like this trailer. The, the trailer, yeah, but I really like this part of the movie. Oh, the flashback. Flashback. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's good. It's super cool. You see this dude that's just like broken and beaten, and you also find out he was too stupid to even join the army. He had he had to like they cheated him twelve points to get in. Right. 
and he turns out to be Aaron Cross, which is super badass. Do you think you could be a born like a born character if you like they gave you twelve points and a bunch of enhancements? Do you Are you saying you I need twelve points to join the minimum requirement <laughs> to get in the army? Is that is that what you're getting at right now? I'm Jason Born now. <laughs> I'm Matt Damon. Uh, uh, yes, if you give me a green and blue pill, I could be Jason Born. I wouldn't even need the green, just the blue. Because <laughs> I'm a genius. <laughs> There has never been so many generic characters, character and actors lines. in, yeah. Yeah, in yeah. a movie ever. Ever. Like, like the whole entire establishment back in, in the CIA or whatever it is are yeah. all just it's hilarious. It's one of the sort of like actually the funniest elements of the movie, I think, is like how hard they try to make it cooler. They try to outcool all the coolness of the first three movies. But they not at all. Like Ed Norton's like Ed Norton's like, we are trying to get this thing before like like we are trying to cut it off before the infection spreads too much. And if this thing metastasizes, you're like, What are you talking are about? You a doctor? Who talks like that? <laughs> you're like, there's a problem. It's like what? Right. There's a guy in the back's like, Sir, I don't know what metastasize means. <laughs> yeah, it's like <laughs> Uh, I mean, it's cool. It's all good writing, and I, the Gilroys are awesome. They're great writers. It's just like funny to to watch it and be like, they are really trying to make this movie. Fun. Well, it's just cool. harder when you're not like the the villain and the hero are not face to face. Like yeah. they never actually face off. Yeah, in, that's in, actually in, part in, of my almost thesis. any of these films. But yeah, like so, there's no like confrontation at the end. It's like okay, it goes back to the desk job, and then he goes off on a boat. Sorry, yeah, spoilers, but it was funny when we watched the first Born movie. We did that one on here like I want to say like, eight weeks ago. Yeah, um, and and like. You know, I had seen it in a few years prior, sort of on cable a couple times. I think I might have watched it once with a friend. And at the, those times when I rewatched it, up until this last time, I sort of felt like it had aged a little bit. Like, it was still really cool, but it wasn't as exciting of a movie as it had been. Watching it again and, like, really breaking it down, doing the research like we did, I'm reminded of just how iconic that movie actually was. Oh, absolutely, dude. And how much this, like, watching this, you're like, this is so... It, like, I like this movie a lot, but it's completely derivative. Like, that first movie is, like, Chris Cooper is just awesome. Yeah, and, yeah like, he's very Matt good. Damon is, like, just great. Like and, the, and Edward Norton and Stacey Keach in this movie, and I love both of them. Yeah. I love their dynamic in American History X because right. they play against each other in that. It's horrible in this movie. You don't like, like they're it. not intimidating at all. There's no threatening moments. Like I, And there's never a moment where I'm like, oh, no, they're a step ahead of... of Cross, right? They're never even close. Well, they're always just on the phone in front of a computer. Yeah, it's exactly. Not intimidating. They don't have like a button that's going to blow something up. But they're, right. they're just sending, you know, Drones. they're sending their peons out to, to kill yeah. him, and it's it's kind of hard to be intimidated. Or who is that? Support staff, clear the room. Yeah. He's like, oh, there's a situation. <laughs> there's a situation. I'm going to yell. This man's unpredictable. Like, yeah, it, yeah. I mean, in, in that, in actually, in that sense, this movie is better for our show because it's more of a cliche, which is funnier for our show. True, it tends to be like the movies that we have the most fun with. Are the ones, right, but where it's, it's not like, funny in this. No, it's I, just it's just tired. My favorite line when we get to it, I did laugh out loud, and and it was only because it's a cliche. And when we get to it, we'll uh, yeah. Which is why I was hoping because they're doing another one now, but I was hoping they'd actually have Damon and Renner face off, which well, I don't think they're going to do. Right? There's they're, they're both listed in production. Oh, really? um, I think maybe maybe the Renner one is just announced, and the, obviously the Damon one is coming out next year in July. Well, it's interesting because like Damon and the Gilroys have all said that they don't ever see a movie where the two guys are in the same world at the same time. Essentially, like they're, I mean, not, not the same world in the same like in the same space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It just doesn't fit. 
Definitely. So uh, we are going to share our fist pump moments and our thesis statements in just a second. But uh, I should remind everybody that these movies that we do on the show have a criteria that we try to stick to. Uh, four rules, aside from being made after 1981. Rule number one is the hero, and the hero always plays by their own rules. Rule number two, the hero mm-hmm. and the villain are always the smartest people, things being dinosaurs or aliens in the room. Rule number three, the hero is always a police, military, political or mercenary figure. When we say political, it means he could either be the man or working for the man. Right. So he can be an MTA operator in the Taken Pelham 1, 2, 3. Every single week. <laughs> and then lastly, there's at least one explosion. And this movie hits all of them. Yeah. Where's the explosion? Yeah. Oh, yeah. The, 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 the burn cat house. Yeah. yeah. I guess the, the other the smartest house. guy in the room is like nobody. kind of. No, dude. Maybe. He's a dumbass. Well, the, all the other guys that chase him. I mean, the guy Larks that chase yeah. him. Yeah. Right. It's pretty badass. Nobody's as smart as Brian Cox or Chris Cooper was, though. No. No. Well, even Pamela Landy. Yeah. Pamela Landy. Sweet movie, the third movie. So that's uh, that's the criteria for the show. And then lastly, you guys should check out iTunes. We have the show. It goes up as an audio podcast. You rate us, review us. It helps us continue to do this for free with the lights on because we can't keep them on ourselves. And we do the show out of the kindness and goodness of our hearts. So uh, please give us a review and a rating. We have some mugs we're going to be shipping out pretty soon. Oh, yeah, the mugs are done. Mugs yeah. are done, guys. Yeah, so those of you that won mugs, we're going to give you mugs. And then lastly, iTunes, uh, YouTube. There are other shows. I'm all over the place today. You are. On the Popcorn Talk Network, there's an Anatomy of a Movie that's on Fridays. They cover the newest movies of the week. My there's favorite color is yellow. <laughs> and movie. I drive a Dodge Stratus. <laughs> and I need to be respected. I need to be respected. Uh, <laughs> uh, so yeah, check that stuff out. And let's get into our thesis statements for this movie. This is the part of the show where we share our big, bold idea. Something that should be kind of rooted in hyperbole. It should not be loose. It shouldn't be, this is my favorite part of the movie. Or uh, the color of Edward Norton's eyes are pretty. It should be. Uh, it should be something strong. Like this is the greatest role that such and such has ever played, or this is the worst villain. Whatever. Right. I'm gonna hop in and go. Uh, I'm gonna. This is a, a statement that I've made numerous times on the show, and I'm gonna continue to make it. Where if you want a good action movie, you gotta have a good villain. If you want a great action movie, you have to have a great villain. And this movie is very forgettable. And I think it's for that exact reason that we just talked about. There's no good villain. There's no good villain. Even even Chris Cooper and Cox and Landy are somewhat like. There's just something about him you don't like. There's just something evil about him. Yeah. You know what I mean? And this movie, it's just like a bunch of white dudes doing their job. Yeah. And it's boring <laughs> as hell. It's like it's like the, what we always talked about how in action movies like um, uh, generic the military talking heads guys, wearing regalia yeah. yeah who have like the medals and they're just like yeah. I flew seventeen missions in Desert Storm this right. is the strongest soldier I ever saw like the, these the guys are the same thing except it's just the without exact medals. same thing but without all the pre qualifiers and like there's no chase even. Even just the face to face at one point would would be good. Do you, you find have, it? Do you find it interesting that there's no exposition on on like Cross and his like military record or like his like number of kills? Like they don't ever give you. A, I don't think you really need that. Well, it though. doesn't seem like he's that type of guy. Yeah, no, great. I mean, it's it's a good thing because that's super cliche, right? And we would call it out as soon as we heard it, right? Yeah, but his military record is almost non-existent. I mean, that's the point of the film. Though, yeah, the, the point of it is that he's him a up from nobody, nothing. right? And he he's was like, too dumb to even get in. Right? Too dumb, almost broken and battered. He's already completely like in that. That's that's what I loved about that cutback, which is that moment that you talk about in those other movies like MI three and Man on Fire, where you right. have that moment of vulnerability and just like realness. That's what I loved about that cutback. Yeah, because you see this kid. He's just like. He's like, if I pass, can I stay? Right. He's like, you want to stay? He's like, yes, sir. Please. Yeah. Like, Jesus Christ, it was great. It's good. Yeah. One, Very of, good. one of the best scenes. Is that your fist bump moment? I feel like it's going to be your. Fist it's bump not. Moment. My fist bump moment is something else. Different. <laughs> uh, yeah, I just I was like noticing like when when you meet uh, when you meet Scott Glenn and uh, what's his name uh, Keech is like mm-hmm. 
you're the goddamn director of the Central Intelligence Agency. And <laughs> yeah, it's like, exactly. it's like, it's like there's, your, there's your exposition. He's, like, he's the head of the CIA, like, as if, like, he you, didn't know that and you didn't know tries. that. Yeah. Da, da, da. yeah, so it's just, that's the sort of exposition. And you have to have it in script sometimes. You can't yeah. just let everything be assumed. But uh, that's, because that's in there, you'd expect them to be like, Aaron Cross was the finest soldier ever under my command. He, yeah, you yeah. know, blah, 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 blah. Well, with the pacing, the thing about the, the first movie is that the pacing of it is so good. The pacing of it's so good, but they fill in all that backstory and all that, like, you're the director of the CIA, this is Langley, there's a problem, he's escaped, yeah. this is Blackbriar. Like, it's it's done so well, and it's on such a good pace that it's much more enjoyable than this movie. Yeah. And this movie, it's it's cut too much to where there's no substance there. I was thinking, too, it's interesting, like, we, we like this movie a lot. I like and, this movie. And three, which I didn't realize, Ultimatum, which is my favorite, it, it's like, if you go to IMDb, that has the highest rating. So I guess amongst fans, like, of the franchise, mm-hmm. it seems like that's the most popular movie, which I would never have guessed. I just thought it was one I liked the most. But it's cool when you see those shots at the beginning with the reporter, and you see the, like, the blinds in the train station. Right, right. Um, it's that cool moment where you're like, oh, bringing me back to a place of something I really, really like. This is interesting. And that was effective, I thought. Yeah. I, you know, I you're thought like on the good. in crowd. Yeah, you completely. Know? What do you got, Haggerty? What's your thesis? I didn't know we were supposed to do thesis, but um, I don't know. I like this movie. It's um, <laughs> the loosest, the loosest opinion of all time. <laughs> it's a pretty good movie. Moving on. No, but uh, it does. It, this movie is an example of you kind of need star power, um, and when you do that transition, like you said, yeah, born. It's like, oh, I thought this was just a continuation of the born franchise. Yeah, different. You know, same person, different character, or uh, same character, different person. Yeah, um, it's like if they try to do Mission Impossible without Ethan Tom Hunt, Cruise, yeah, you know, which they actually were trying to do with Renner, with Renner, right? Which they are gonna do, so but they're it, gonna be on screen together. You yeah. just lose it. I mean, like the formula works. Um, yeah, the movie's a little bit slower paced, but I think that's a lot because Tony Gilroy is such a different director than uh, yeah. Greengrass was. Yeah, Greengrass was very frenetic. A lot, a lot of his stuff is very, very handheld, very shaky camera. It gives it that frenetic pace. Gilroy, with his work before being a writer. Um, and his last movie, Michael Collins, right? Clayton, Michael, uh, Michael Clayton. Clayton and then he did Duplicity um, after that. <clears throat> you know, there's a little bit more, a little bit more methodical film. So yeah, th- that I mean, it's a different film, completely. Um, but I still think it's a really awesome film. I think it's very clinical. Um, but I also, it does lose. It, do, it is forgettable in that sense. Yeah, I mean, it's like a born movie paced yeah. at the rate of a Michael Clayton. Right, yeah. you know, totally. Yeah. And that's, I mean, you can. It does feel like his writing and, and the way totally. everything about it, and and like. Huge. I'm a huge uh, Gilroy fan. Michael Clayton is one of my favorite movies, but I would say my thesis is related to that. Uh, yeah. My thesis is that basically this movie is our most recent example that not every franchise gets to be James Bond. Like, and it's it's kind of the same thing. It's just like maybe maybe it's a a plot. And they say you know we'll spend this money on this movie because Jeremy Renner's hot and the Bourne name will sell. And if this one's okay. It doesn't matter because we'll get Damon back for the fifth one, and then it'll be a fan favorite and make tons and tons of money because we gave you one that you didn't like as much. Which right. I mean, I don't think it's an intentional strategy, but it wouldn't be the dumbest thing because you know that they're going to make a Damon one. That Damon one's going to come out. It's going to make tons and tons and tons of money. Um, it's just that like hmm. Born is Born's a brand now, and it became a brand after the third one where it was like this is successful. We can make money doing this. But how important is Matt Damon to the brand? How important was Sean Connery to the brand before they changed actors? He did six movies, I think. Right, and they, right? But they went through like a whole debacle yeah. with casting new Brosnan. Everything. Yeah. I mean, people, even though the Brosnan movies are bad movies for the most part, they're just bad movies. Yeah. He was a good James Bond. Well, yeah. I mean, I had this conversation the other night, and yeah, oh, yeah, you, yeah, we were we were all together. It was we were talking about how um, 
for the time that we're in now, Daniel yeah. Craig is the most perfect Bond, period. Yeah, he's dead on. In the 90s, Pierce Brosnan was the most perfect Bond you could have. Yeah. Because it's exactly what you wanted out of the 90s. A little campier. Yeah, like campy, jokey, more one-liners, super suave. Yeah. Now it's the raw, real, gritty, every man. There's not a lot of gizmos and gadgets. It's just like this dude yeah. out on a mission, you know? Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, if you think about those characters, Ethan Hunt, Jason Bourne, James Bond... We call them action heroes, but they're basically just superheroes. They're they're Captain America in that yeah, sense. They're exactly. guys. They're guys where physically they act on a different level. They're capable physically of doing stuff that real people can't do. They're super smart. They're super resourceful. It's not the same as Riggs or McClane. Those are everyman heroes where they're basically just cops right. who are just really good at throwing punches and jumping out of windows, <laughs> getting like their asses yeah. kicked. Yeah, and they can get their asses kicked and bounce back. Yeah. Well, I mean, I do like all the Borns and Bonds because they are grounded in reality, and that's what I yeah. like about this movie. It's it's you know it's a, it's you can kind of see how this takes place how it could be real how a guy yeah. could be this badass there's a little bit of suspension and disbelief especially in this one he kind of does a few things like shoots down a drone or right. he scales the walls but you know they explain that a little bit but right. that's the thing I love about um, these films they are very grounded totally so when you're in it you're like you're really immersed and you kind of lose that whole well I can't believe that would happen or like well that's stupid yeah and that, that'll be interesting when we get to our categorizing the movies because yeah. there's parts of this movie that it's it, it's almost all believable. There's like nothing yeah. in it that's really like you have to suspend your disbelief. I guess. I guess my the, my final point would be that when I say it's not, all, they can't all be James Bond. If you do consider that these people are functioning as if they're superheroes, even if it is based in the real world. I mean, Batman's based in the real world. He's not a superhero. He just uses gadgets. Batman is real. <laughs> but my point is that Batman is a character that has existed forever. You change the actor, Batman Begins is going to make money. Yeah. You know, Mission Impossible. You, I believe if you change the actor, if it's done correctly, those movies will make money. That's a huge. That's a huge brand. You've seen a ton of movies. I don't know that Bourne was a strong enough franchise yet. It could succeed with a new actor, and I think this is just proof. It just <laughs> happens sometimes. And I, you know, maybe if there had been five movies and then you change, it'd be different. Yeah, but I don't think it failed either because you got to look at this film, and I think it's successful. It's done really well. It's in the same same stylized version as the last two, The Supremacy and Ultimatum. Yeah. Um, Whereas there are other generic films, say, for example, like The Gunman, you know, something like right. that, where it's grounded in reality, it's supposed to be this ultimate badass guy, takes on whatever, every, everything that gets thrown at him. I had no, I had you know, no, no desire, no desire yeah, to watch that None, movie. none whatsoever. But with Born, I don't know, for some reason, it just drew me in, and, you know, I yeah. did work on the film, so yeah, I did the character, <laughs> but, the character but, still, I did work uh, on it, so I had a little bit did spend three months of my life working on it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, but this movie, I think, does well because of that, but there are so many other derivative other one-off kind of movies that just don't do well. Like, yeah. if The Gunman had done really well, I guarantee you we'd, we'd see advertising for a Gunman. Right, because The Bourne yeah. is, like, way... It's far surpasses that of John Wick. Yeah, or Taken. And, or, ta yeah, yeah, and Jack Reacher. These yeah. movies are all getting another an, another title. Yeah, you know, they're all They're getting a sequel, so... I don't know. We're, we're talking about this a lot, but we'll see what happens. I mean, with, it's, it's with a major theme franchise. with this movie. I mean, that's yeah. that's the biggest. When you say which Bourne movie, it's the Jeremy Renner one. Like it's, it's that's the Jeremy Renner yeah. one. That's yeah. the thing. It's not like it's the fourth one. It's yeah. like it specifically stands out. So, uh, but anyway, let's uh, let's talk about our fist bump moment because this movie, while it does have some generic qualities, oh, God, is there's so many super sweet badass. movies in this movie or well, moments. Well, because you imagine what if this movie had been made with Matt Damon, but like all the same stunts, all the same cool stuff. Right. We would just be like, this is another great Bourne movie. It's just because all the cool shit that happens is really 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 cool right i mean like we, we'll show the scene later like when he shoots the drone down or like there's like the fight in the house like there's just like a lot yeah, of really good there's a lot of good stuff um i think i'll jump in yeah first. i want to go last because i have two and i always have two we can i have do two, two right, also cool. i have two also <laughs> i've got seven i'm going last um i would say my favorite fist pump moment in the movie is when he wrestles the wolf 
damn it! God damn it! This is my first one. Uh, the other one's the headshot. Show. Yeah. Well, I chose one, so you What's can the have headshot. The other. I don't know. You tell me. <laughs> Wait, which headshot? Uh, you want me to use the headshot? Use the wolf because I like that one too. Well, you've already you've already done. Both you of can them. talk about. The <laughs> you can talk about how cool the All wolf right, attack is. Headshot. Uh, it's the headshot. So it's like he's outside the house when Rachel Weiss is. Oh my god! That's the that's one. That's both of them. How I did you hate not, this show? How did you not know it was a headshot? How did you just ask me what headshot of it was he, your fist like, You're talking about when he climbs up on the... Yeah. It doesn't look like he shoots her in the head. I'll go with the wolf. Looks like he shoots her in the chest. Okay, I'll go with the wolf. Well, great. He's in the, <laughs> he's in the, the woods. I've got the chest shot. He's in the woods, and uh, the wolf has been chasing him, and he's dug the tracker out of his hip, and he's bleeding on the ground. And he's like, come on! Come on! Yeah. And then the wolf jumps at him, and he starts wrestling the wolf to well, the ground. he catches him first. Yeah, yeah he, gets him, he's, he gets his leg in the trip noose. Yeah. And then he feeds the tracker... And he's like, you should have so just good. left me alone. And yeah. starts running and like outrunning a wolf in just like open air in the snow. Well, they're going like, different directions. Him and the wolf? Yeah, yeah. it's easy to outrun a wolf when they go in different Yeah, because the wolf n- can hear the drone. Oh, I thought the wolf was chasing well, he him. Scared no, him off. he scared him off with the guns. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. and then the drone shoots the wolf. Very cool scene. Yep. It's very, total total very fist pump moment. moment. I'd use it myself, actually. <laughs> What's yours, Andrew? Is uh, there actually, something you want to tell me? No, no, no. Matt, Matt, go ahead, please. I'm going to come up with another one. Well, actually, I kind of had two as well, but I liked... I'm going to go to a lot of stuff that we shot, but there was a cool sequence when Marta is being chased through the Philippines, uh, through the alleys, and there's a that parallel chase sequence where Renner is on top, and yeah. he's running oh, on the rooftops, yeah. trying to find her. Meanwhile, he doesn't know that Larch is behind him, chasing him, and and it all culminates with, um, at this moment, I think, I think we called it, like, the chasm, where, like, she's in a tiny alleyway, yeah. and Renner just, like, slams oh, down on top so of that sweet. guy. so sweet. Yeah. Like, and it's just really, one thing I liked about that was uh, Bourne had a lot of these the previous Borns had a lot of these really iconic stunt moments. Like yeah. when he jumps through, I think it was an ultimatum, where he jumps from one window to the next uh, across the alley. To yeah. The next oh, yeah, window. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. You know, this With the series, camp falling him yeah, through, yeah. this series had a lot of that. And um, I feel like this, the chasm, the drop, was a similar kind of cool camera work, very, you know, yeah. hasn't been done before. Yeah. And one of my favorite parts about that is that fucking stunt guy got fucked up. Oh, dude, he looks, I remember that. He's just like crunched. Yeah. He just yeah. Like smashed like a bug. Well, and like some stunts, like it's really well choreographed and you can take the punch and then you can fake it. Sometimes the guy's just got to get destroyed. <laughs> Sometimes and, I just got to get his act to, And I remember seeing him like afterwards it. and he, he had, he's got his shit. <laughs> he's like struggling to walk. Oh, uh, he, he did not look, he looked like he'd gotten, he'd taken a couple knees to the face. Oh. So, and real. it looked real be, well, because it was real. It was real. And it was pretty awesome. <laughs> but Renner wasn't jumping. It was a stunt guy. I can't remember. I, I, I know that Renner started the jump. Like right. when I was watching behind the scenes stuff, I don't know how how it ended. Yeah, and Jeremy did a lot of his own stunts in this. Yeah, I was actually, and we'll talk about it more, and, and you'll definitely be able to help us out when we talk about the uh, the bike chase through Manila. Yeah, that's super sweet. Yeah, and it's cool that it's both of them on the bike. Yeah, for real. I know that like Renner at the beginning of his action like action career was less interested in doing his own stunts. I know that he became more willing after working on Mission Impossible Four. Everyone became more willing after yeah, working on MI Four because like just in the face of crews jumping off yeah. buildings. Uh, and then I had heard that on the Avengers films he was much more willing to work on his own stuff as well. So, I like Renner a lot. Yeah, yeah I'm, a, I'm a fan. Cool guy. Okay, so fine. Let me think of my two moments. This is horrible. All right, so again? one of them. I loved when he kicks the table into that guy's head, head? and kills him. Yeah. Immediately. It's just so Paula? brutal. Yeah. Yeah. Her, she's <laughs> just like, no. She's like the worst overdramat. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm just going to do the one since, since you took both of mine. Go ahead and use it. Uh, so my fist pump moment <laughs> is when he's out in the woods 
And then the wolf, he's sitting there and he's baited the wolf with the blood. Oh, it's exciting. It's so oh, it's cool. so exciting. And he trips him up. Yeah. All right, whatever. God, I hate this show. All right, let's move on. Just, you're not going to talk about it? No, what's there to talk about? You're I didn't talk about it. Elaborate. Can I elaborate on it then? Because it's my other favorite moment. Sure. Okay, yeah, it's the scene where Renner's inside the house oh my after the table oh, hits the guy's head and he's like, I got to be able to save Rachel Vice. So he goes outside and he like pulls the Assassin's Creed move. Yeah. He's just like, it's like effortless. He like scales the side of the building. He's like, I'm on a building now. Which like, can you imagine trying to just do that? Like, no. I'll just yeah. look at this building. And Impossible. Then, yeah, then he like, he like, he essentially gets to the top of the house. And he's like timing it and he gets through the window and he just swings around and just pop one shot. I thought it was a headshot. Okay, you know, I don't, it doesn't matter. I don't think it is, but. The other part is sweet, is he doesn't really, he doesn't really tell her what, what, or you don't know as the audience what's going on, but he gives her the watch and he gives her the gun. And he's like, I need you to do exactly what I say. And then, you know, he goes and hides in the closet, and you see her, like, staring at the watch, counting. And then she, she just starts shooting. Yeah. And then you hear the dude run up the stairs and turn around, and then Renner's just standing there behind the door. He yeah. puts the four, like, perfect shots through the door. And his and eyes are closed. The his eyes are closed, right? I don't know. I think he's sitting there waiting for the gun. Yeah, yeah. he's, like, sitting he's there counting, listening. Yeah, he's trying to hear where the dude is. Yeah, it's really cool. Yeah. Super cool. Oh, yeah, and then the other one I liked is when he's, like, hits the, he hits the fire extinguisher yeah. with, with the rod that's yeah. got the nail. Yeah. It's like, boop. It's like, choo. It's like <laughs> Your sounds today and facial expressions are just on point. Yeah, I'm really on top of it. I'm coming into my own right now, guys. I'm really getting it together. Look, it only took us 27 episodes, but Ben's finally figured out who he is. I don't know what to do with my hands. Uh, <laughs> sir, put your hands down. So let's talk about where these guys were in their careers. Um, very interesting difference here, Renner yeah. and Weiss. So we're going to start with Renner, and his movies, like, directly before this are pretty massive. I mean, yeah. The Avengers, he's Hawkeye in 2012. Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol in 2011. Being groomed to be the next the next Ethan Hunt mm-hmm. and the town in 2010, and this is after being in the Best Picture film, I believe, in 2008 was it or 2009 in the Hurt Locker. Hurt Locker. Sounds about right. So I mean, the guy was killing it. Oh, like, dude, yeah, he still is. Yeah, I would say so. I mean, I feel like he's this stretch is insane. Like mm-hmm. that's that's actually nuts. I don't think he's quite as like legit of like the A list that he was at this moment. I think he is, but I think what has happened to him is what happens to everyone. Yeah, and that's that you need to just chill out for a minute before we get sick of you. Yeah, totally. Because like you look at the Sam Worthingtons of the world. Yeah, and they just. I mean, not only is yeah exactly. Not only is he not a very good actor. Yeah, and Jeremy Renner is, but it was also like. I'm in this movie, and this movie, and this movie, and this movie. And you're just like, I don't want to see you do anything. Can you guys imagine, like, just for a second, being Sam Worthington in 2008? Like, just the, the, the sheer magnitude of that right. year like in your Terminator, life. Terminator, the gods and... Clash, yeah, yeah, Terminator, Clash Avatar, and Clash of Titans or whatever, or Wrath of the Titans. or Clash was the first one. Yeah. Like, you're a no, essentially a nobody. Somebody I had never heard of. Yeah. And you're in those... You're starring in those you're three movies. You're the character in those three movies. Like, just... And then, what did he do after? No one. Who cares? Yeah. Doesn't matter. He yeah. made his money. He did. They were he like, did, we'll give you a hundred bucks a movie. Uh, <laughs> you can be in all three of them. <laughs> I'll do it. I'll do it. And then Rachel Weiss's career is just like... I don't know. I mean, I've heard a lot of things about her on set and that she's not a very fun person to work with. I don't right. know how that was with you. No, or she's not. pretty pleasant. She's pleasant? She's okay, see, see, I've heard a lot of really negative things about yeah. her on set. Um, and I just wonder if that has anything to do with what hap- what's happened with her career. Yeah. Because she's a good actress. And I like her. Yeah. I liked her in The Mummy. That was like one of the first things I saw her do where I was like, okay, I know who she is. I love The Fountain. Yeah, you big know, fan of yeah. that. Phenomenal movie. Well, the stretch in her career that happened after The Mummy, so The Mummy, the sequel, and then like those four or five years there, she's in some pretty high profile stuff. Because mm-hmm. there's like you have The Fountain in there, you have The Constant Gardener, which was like a very, very high impact drama. A lot of people saw that movie. Uh, you have, I want to say, at least one other that comes to mind that's like pretty major. And then it's sort of a dry spell because Dreamhouse in 2011, The Deep Blue Sea in 2011, and 360 in 2011. I don't know any of those movies. I had never seen or heard of two of them. Um, 
Which one did you heard of? I feel like Shane I had House. heard of the Deep Blue Sea. Well, no, reason. you're thinking of Deep Blue Sea, probably the shark movie. I wouldn't confuse those I two. Don't know, I don't man. I think. think. I mean, there's the same name. I think I remember seeing a trailer. Like, I don't know much about it. I just right. think I remember hearing about it or something. Yeah. But that's about it. And I mean, when you consider like they're just at different places in their careers. Mm-hmm. Renner's hitting his his initial stride right now. He, so five or six years from now, if his career calms down and he's taking like more high art dramas or whatever, right, right. he could be in the same position. Yeah, I, I mean, she's at the type of place where she could all of a sudden get an Oscar nod for something. Exactly. Yeah, completely. And she's, I mean, she's obviously proven that she's a very good actress. Uh, and she's, can, we, can we just talk about how attractive she is when she goes like incognito? Yeah. With her glasses and her you bangs. Just, like, goes glasses. Yeah, it's like she literally does nothing other than just puts on glasses and puts her hair, like gives herself bangs. She, she, she like looks like. Works. She, she looks like. She's all fat. She just puts glasses on. Yeah, yeah. Back. And she's back to. Yeah. She looks like the girl that like you like sat across from in like chemistry or yeah. high school social studies. And you're like, and she, you're like, man, she's so. That's Rebecca Thompson. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> she looked at me. Yeah. <laughs> she's still dressing the same way she did in freshman year of college. Yeah. Yeah. I still love you. I still love you. Uh, all right, let's move on. It's <laughs> a good song. You're starting, really man. good. <laughs> the Gilroys are back again. What? What? So the Gilroys, uh, their dad, Frank D. Gilroy, was a Pulitzer Prize-winning playwright, mm-hmm. um, director, and screenwriter. And then Tony and Dan Gilroy are complete badasses. So Tony Gilroy, who is the guy we mentioned, who is the Michael Clayton guy, yeah. duplicity. He directed this. Um, he had been a writer on, I think, several of the previous Bourne films. It was all of them. Did he write all of them? I, believe he, I know he wasn't the sole writer, but I, I believe did. he worked on all three. I thought he'd worked on the first and the third, but maybe he worked on it yet. Yeah, so maybe he did work on all three. Mm-hmm. So uh, he's he's a, a very talented writer. He's very capable of like tightly, tightly, tightly scripted sort of espionage thriller. Like I said it once, I'll say it again. Like If, if, nobody, if anybody here has not seen Michael Clayton, just in terms of like a tightly scripted movie. Just, I'll get around to it. That movie is phenomenal. Like one of the one of the best written movies I've ever seen in my life. Mm. Um, and it makes sense that he would be a good writer for the Bourne series. It also makes sense that directing this movie it wouldn't feel as much like the previous ones because his style is very it's dramatic scenes, a lot of weight to them. But action is probably not his thing as much. Yeah, I mean, I, I really think that the the reviews that we pulled are kind of perfect for this movie because it's kind of all the right complaints without yeah. being just a dick for no reason which we get with a lot of our top critics yeah um no, I'm sorry go ahead yeah no worries I was just gonna say Tony Gilroy like his early credits that he, get, that he gets uh, credited for Devil's Advocate 97 Armageddon in 98 so he's doing what is asked of him in terms of like Hollywood script writing because mm-hmm. I don't think anybody's gonna tell you that Devil's Advocate and Armageddon are great films in terms of how they're written or even no they're not memorable in, I mean they're memorable they're just not memorable in the same way these ones are they're not like high class art films I love them um, <laughs> don't you love Devil's Advocate? You're I like, have like this weird. Yeah, you love that. It's because it came out when I was a kid, and I was like, God, this movie's fucked I up. Hate yeah, that it's movie. gnarly. I can't stand that movie. Right, cool. It's just well, because the whole thing. It's like at the end, it's like, oh, it's just a dream. Yeah, I know. So I, I hate that. It's ninety the minutes. Worst. So it's what? Yeah. I don't even remember. Spoiler alert. Yeah. Never seen it. <laughs> you don't need to. You, you just missed it. It only came out fifteen <laughs> years ago. God. <laughs> Can you next just one. say spoiler alert next time yeah, or something? Seriously, man, you come on <laughs> our show. Say that before or after ruined Devil's spoiler. Advocate. <laughs> um, so that his brother Dan Gilroy, uh, also you know, like writer as well, had worked on quite a bit of stuff. Killing it right now. Yeah, Nightcrawler was his directorial debut. Yeah, yeah um, what a great, awesome debut movie. Yeah, what a good movie, right? Yeah, um, wrote and directed it. Now he's got. They both got a couple projects in the pipeline. So these guys are, in my opinion, like really, really hitting it right now. Like they're. I think these are, like, the guys to sort of, like, have your eye. I think a lot of people do, but... I th- it's weird. I think that... God, it's so tough. I feel like Tony should not ever direct another action movie. Like, action-action movie. Right, right. 
But I feel like if you had these two guys as a writing team on your movie, or yeah. like producers, like writers and producers, you're set with a set direct, like a good director, yeah, like Trevor, like Colin Trevor, they would kill it. Like whatever movie they could put together would yeah. be amazing. I totally agree. I mean, the guy that wrote Michael Clayton and the guy that wrote Nightcrawler yeah. working on the same movie together. Yeah, like, I mean, that's essentially what this is. But it just needs to not be directed by Tony Gilroy. Yeah, totally. So uh, yeah, they're, like the interesting thing about how this movie got made to me, the, the producing stuff I, I thought was pretty cool. And if you interacted with any of these producers and you have any like anecdote to share, feel free. But uh, basically, you have Frank Marshall, who's mm-hmm. just a heavy hitter. Guy's yeah. a monster. I mean, I think he makes a cameo in the film. Actually, does he? I watched it when I was watching it the other day. Uh, I could have sworn I saw him when uh, when Rachel's checking in through customs at uh, yeah. Manila. He's, oh. I think he's like right behind her. Interesting. Oh, it was it's a it's a quick right. pan. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. He's. I mean, the guy. <laughs> I'll just give you some of the some of the uh, credits here. He's worked on the Indiana Jones franchise, Back to the Future, Jurassic Park, the entire Bourne franchise. Seen him. Yeah, like that's pretty pretty monster. He's nice. like one of like the <laughs> probably one of like the thirty most powerful producers in yeah. the world. So yeah, he's 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 a big he's a big one. Yes, he's a he's a big he definitely deal. Definitely knows what to pick and he knows how to make things work. Yeah, you also have the other producers that are on two pages. Crowley, right? we've talked about before. Yeah, yeah, because Crowley had worked on Crowley had worked on the previous films as well mm-hmm. as the fact that he has worked on Legends of the Fall, Sleepless in Seattle, oh, right. the other guys. Ben's have? favorite movie, twenty ten. Buddy cop comedy? Anybody? Because you're looking around like there's more people in here. To agree this is my you. fist pump moment right now. Just getting saved. The other guys? Love the other guys. Love the other guys. Um, Jurassic World. So he works on a lot of the same stuff that Marshall works on. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're like clearly clearly a good team because they have several credits announced on IMDb that they are both credited on. There's another Bourne film they're both working on. There's a sequel to Jurassic World they're working on. Um, and then you have Ben Smith and Jeremy Weiner. So there was like, there's always like 10 or 11 producers credit on these things. Yeah. There's usually four or five that are like the relevant ones to put the thing together. And then there's some regional producers that say like work in the other markets where they're shooting, some money people, et cetera, et cetera. Ben Smith, this was his first feature film producing credit. Hmm. So he, he was a former agent who represented the Ludlam estate, Robert Ludlam, who wrote the original book. Um, and he was the pro- he was a producer at Captivate Entertainment. So he helped this movie get made along with Jeremy Weiner, who had served as managing partner of the national accounting firm Markham LLP for about 20 years before the series came out. So Ludlam left his estate to Weiner when he died. And wow. they were filming the first movie in 2001 when this happened. So he was he's been on Weiner has been on as a producer on all the films, but once Matt Damon wasn't going to come back and they had to change the team, uh, Ben Smith and Jeremy Weiner got together with Patrick Crowley and Frank Marshall, and that's how this movie came together. Hmm. So I thought that was pretty cool. Can you imagine that? Frank, like like this this writer who had been like right because you know they they originally made Born Identity as a TV movie in the late eighties, mm-hmm. right? So that was oh, like that. did not go well. Yeah, it was like a two part miniseries. Oh, you can you can you can watch it on YouTube. Oh, it? Yeah. It's uh, we when we did the Bourne movie, I I can't remember uh, who the actor was. It's somebody whose name you recognize. It's not like, Glenn, right? That's I'm thinking of a different. That's one. Man on Fire. That's Man on Fire. Yeah, right, right. right. You'd, you'd probably recognize the guy's name, but you'd be like, oh, interesting. So we watched a bit of it when we did the last movie. Um, it's fine, but like, so the original Bourne Identity is a novel that is like referenced all the time in like mm-hmm. spy literature. It's like one of the best ever written. It's like very very iconic. They changed a lot for the adaptation with Matt Damon, right? 
But uh, could you just imagine that? Like you're a guy that's working on – you're like an ex- a state agent essentially. The guy that wrote the book dies and he, you find out that like in his will and trust that you're the guy that gets to manage the estate. So right. now like you're just like, OK. Cool. I own Born. Yeah. I can just make decisions on what to do with the property. Let's make some more movies. Yeah. Well, that's a good thing to have somebody there that's uh, in the loop as far as like managing the estate because they know hopefully – I'm not sure if this is actually what happened, but they actually have a say in making sure the franchise is going the right direction. Yeah. And they're not just, just you know, taking it off the rails and just doing something stupid. Right? I mean, one thing that can definitely be said about this franchise is, like, they've never missed. No, right it's definitely, yeah, again, this is not a bad movie. Not at all. None of them are bad. It's just, this one is forgettable for some reason. Hmm. And I can't put my finger on exactly why it is. And I think it's a combination of all the things we've talked about. The villain, the the pacing of the movie, the direction of Gilroy, and the recasting of Renner. Yeah. But it's still a good movie. It's still a good movie, man. Do you know where in production, like, like uh, the chronology of it, what you shot was? Was it like, do you know if that was like the last stuff shot, the first stuff shot? Uh, we shot, we were at the very end, we were the last thing. So, so you, when we you, wrapped, the movie was done. So you're a second unit, so you go out there and you, you're setting everything up before Renner and, and Rachel show up, right? Um, it's different for different movies. This one, I think they shot it rather sequentially, because it... Because the movie is almost sequentially in the different right. regions between um, the scenes that take place in Alaska, right. and then you know, then in the states, and then you know, I think they shot in New York, um, and then it culminates in Manila. Right. Um, so we shot that last, and actually, main the first unit was there shooting while we were there prepping, and then when they main unit kind of finished, and then we kind of took over, and then we finished the movie. Gotcha. Because uh, we had to utilize all the actors. Right. So when you're when you're setting all that stuff up for all the scenes, how how closely are you working with like with Jeremy and working with Rachel and saying like okay, you know this is your schedule for next week. This is what we have to prep you for. Like, are you good with this? Like, oh, I mean, you're hand in hand. Yeah, uh, depending on who's doing that, but with the producers and, and our yeah. team. Yeah, I mean, we're hand in hand, and it's and it's a big picture that's already been kind of laid out. And once we get there, there's just kind of small, uh, small minor corrections. Yeah. Um, you know, weather can impact. We can't go shoot this one day or, you know, this isn't ready. So we have to flip-flop the schedules. Um, so we're working hand-in-hand with them, especially with Renner because he was basically in everything. Did you get a good feeling about him as an action star? Like, this guy can handle it. He's like, he fits the bill? Definitely. I yeah. mean, he basically did anything that we, we asked him to. Um, he did a lot of that motorcycle stuff his uh, himself yeah. with Rachel on the back or with his dunker on the back. Uh, which, if you ask a lot of stunt guys, they say motorcycle work it can be some of the most dangerous, some of the toughest stuff. Because yeah. little things that are just out of your control can go wrong. Yeah. And if you watch that movie, I mean, it's a huge motorcycle sequence. Yeah. Um, probably one of the intense. Probably one of the bigger, better motorcycle sequences um, out there. How How long yeah. did it take you to shoot it? Um, between the rooftop sequence and the motorcycle sequence, I think it was like twenty two, twenty four days. Interesting. Just Just stunts. Um, just that whole motorcycle. Just the yeah. When he wakes up from <clears throat> being viraled off. Yeah. That whole sequence took about twenty two days or something like that. Yeah. When I was watching behind the, the scene stuff, like the town and the city of Manila was just like put on hold. Like in one of the biggest intersections in town, everyone was just yeah. all blocked off and people yeah. screaming and honking. There were definitely some disgruntled locals there. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, you shut down a major parkway for three days, and we're running up you know hundreds of cars for you know a week you know right. so traffic there is bad enough right you take away one of the major routes you know it's it causes a little bit of uproar so Can imagine. but we worked really well with the with the community i heard the people were amazing manila's great yeah the filipino like, people they were happy and excited yeah. and great 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 people and i would love to go back sometime make a movie there or even just go visit did you like the whole crew like if they made another renner another renner born movie and they want to bring you back on would you go back and work oh, on yeah it? i can't wait for yeah? the phone call yeah cool i mean good people like from the producers director cool uh renner's great um you know actors cast everybody I mean, that's the thing about renner is when you watch this movie it, 
he's clearly an action star. Yeah, he's likable. Like you yeah. watch him, he's likable and he's incredibly comfortable. In the same way that Jason Bourne was in the first one, Matt with Matt Damon, like when he's just going around doing the things that he's doing, yeah. it just seems right. It totally. doesn't seem forced. You know, it doesn't seem like an actor playing this. It seems like just this guy. Yeah. He is this guy. And I'm really jacked for it too. He's jacked. He's yeah, a big he, guy. Right? I mean, he can't. I mean, he's Hawkeye, the town, like, yeah. Kurt Locker. Like, the dudes have been needing to be in shape for a long time. They give him the one shot early on when he's injecting himself here, and he's doing, mm-hmm. he's doing the curl. You can tell that, like, some nutritionist was like, we're going to need to put about 20 pounds on you, because his bicep is just massive. Right. Yeah. I was impressed. I bet you were. Man crush. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I think Do you guys remember that? I think last week you talked about Harrison Ford shirt. Bicep? Scene. Yeah, he, he did. I think he was, he was 90s jacked. He was cool. It was no big deal. <laughs> Uh, so this is kind of where it gets interesting, is the critical and the money. Yeah. And, and, and interesting in a bad way. Do you want to lead this? No. <laughs> uh, so this is uh, this came out in 2012, and it was released by Universal, and it cost $125 million to make. It's quite a lot of money when you consider what this movie is. feels it, like it should have cost like $75. It's, it's so tough, because doing this show, you get such a... Bias? Real look and a bias on what people can do with money, yeah. and, I, and I continue to go back to Looper. Right. It was a $40 million movie. Yeah, it's That crazy. looked like a $200 million movie. Yeah. You know? Um, but this movie, it's kind of like, I mean, it's what we just talked about. This, yeah. I mean, this, this motorcycle chase through a city, having to cut off the biggest intersection in a city for, for three days. You've got hundreds... <laughs> <laughs> you've got hundreds of locals. You've got, like, what do they have, like 90 plus 100 cars that were just all moving on set? I think my biggest day probably had 150, 100 million. Make around 150 cars. 150 cars. So you got to imagine the staffing behind this and all that. So it makes sense to why. Plus because shooting just, in New York, right? Shooting yeah, it's always expensive. Always, always expensive. Um, it's just done on such a grander scale than Looper. I, I, but I still feel like it surprises me because I'm like, okay, you jettison the most expensive part of the movie, which is the, the A-list action star, and replace him with essentially somebody at the time you're making this who's B-list, hoping to be A-list. I mean, you still got to pay renter like at a Can't top be. dollar. But it can't be the same. Like, Damon to do a, a, yeah. a Bourne movie is going to be at 20, 25 well, million. That, okay, so not Damon because that's right. different. That's him coming back. Right. But, like, another A list guy like Hardy or Gosling, it would have still cost quite I mean, a bit of money. Yeah, yeah I still think true. it'd be around the same thing. Renner was, I mean, we just talked about the movies. Yeah, he was what he's doing. Uh, anyway, so we go. It opens August 10th, 2012. It made $113 million domestic. So it didn't break even domestically. Which, do you think that there's? Do you think there's an expectation when you're making this movie, which is that the international market loves these movies? So even if we do okay in the U.S., that this will play well overseas, so we'll make some money. I would think so, but I would also think that they were expecting to break even here. Yeah, you can't expect to lose money in the U.S., especially on. with picking Renner. Well, I feel like the producers would have been. Go ahead. No, I just say most movies these days, especially big, big blockbuster or franchise films. I mean, you have to you have to cater towards the international market. Yeah, oh, absolutely. U.S. is basically maybe half. Um, of the market for franchise yeah. or, or big action film. Um, so you need to cater towards the rest of the world. And part of that is if the story takes place outside of the U.S., um, I think that people familiarize themselves a little bit more with that and connect with that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think when you're making a movie like this, you, you have to think about big picture, big box office across the world. I think Absolutely. it's interesting, too. Like, you you look at the old model and a lot of those old movies from the 80s and 90s and 2000s that we cover on this show and look at their box office and you look at the stuff now and it's just like you said. A lot of the stuff nowadays, it's, if you add the worldwide, the totals are so much higher. Whereas back in the day, oh, movies absolutely. that opened in 1987, 1993, yeah. it's like the worldwide was something, but your U.S. was still like 80%. Yeah, absolutely. Well, now, I mean, you look at the... the Population in general, and like the U.S. is such a small number compared to everywhere else in the world, yeah. and, the, and the accessibility everywhere else to see these movies is, is grown so drastically. Yeah. So it makes sense. Um, 
So it made $276 million total. Not bad. It's fine. Not great. It's fine. Still enough to make another one. Yeah, it's fine. But it, it did open number one at $38 million. So it looked like when it was opening, it was like, yeah. okay, this could this could do something. Like, this could... Yeah, let's let's see what what happens. It's so weird how forgettable this movie was, though. I I'm just feel like you, it man. came and went so fast. Like I remember it in theaters and people talked about it, and I just did you see the new Bourne movie? No. Yeah. Then it was on the airplane. I didn't watch it on the airplane, and that was it. Yeah. I didn't think about it again until we did this show. Well, okay, so I watched it for the first time when we did Identity. Yeah, and I remember when we decided that we were going to do this. I was like, I don't remember it at all, at mm. all. And like the more I talked about it, I was like, okay, I kind of remember this and this. And even when I was watching, I was like, oh yeah, I think I remember what happens. Yeah. I don't know why, but I still remember one and two very, very well. Three I've only seen once, so I gotta watch it again. It surprises me that you don't remember more about this movie because of your sick obsession with American History X and the fact that this reprises yeah, two right. of the main two actors from like, the movie. I, just love, I love that movie so you much. You love Stacey Keach. Stacey Keach is the ultimate bad guy. Looks, the scar? Like, he just looks his scar and his face, just like the way his face sits all the time. Like, he looks so evil. I wish he would have been, like, the main bad guy in this movie. She's not protecting the U.S. at all. <laughs> yeah, I love the glasses clean. <laughs> like, clean the glasses clean while the glasses you say something, you're something evil. Yeah, it's great. Uh, and then I think the... Oh, let, let's talk these numbers. So if we can okay. pull up the graphics here for the... Um, box office? Yeah, the box office numbers here. We can do adjusted or unadjusted first, whichever one you want to do. Yeah, okay. well, I think the, the graphic is both of them together. So I, I, um, I pulled both just because I feel like they're... Two of the movies are semi-recent, but then the first movie obviously goes all the way back to 02, right. so the total's a little different. Um, just so you can see the worldwide numbers and then the adjusted. I mean, after adjustment, this is clearly, like, the lowest grossing. But yeah. it's also, as we said, the first movie came out in 2002. It's a different world now. 14 years later, international plays a much bigger part. So you have to come up with some sort of average between these two. But I think it is still very clear. Matt Damon, away from this franchise, costed a lot of money. I mean, I think that's ba- that's the basic story here, is, like, most people were, like, Okay, if this is a new movie with a different character playing Jason Bourne, I'm not that interested. I'll see it on video. Right. Or if this is a new character and this isn't Jason Bourne, but it's still called a Bourne movie, they want me to pay them because it says Bourne. Still not that interested. And I think at that point, it just didn't make as much money as it should have. I think it's 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 kind of interesting. You look at the two movies at the time that Renner was in, and that's MI4 and and this movie. Yeah. And it's the same character, essentially, that's going to be taking over the franchise. Yeah. And Mission Impossible did it right. Yeah, they had a movie with him and Tom Cruise. They're going to have another one after the the fifth one. So they're going to have three movies of them together. Tom Cruise is never ever he's, he's ever not, he's definitely going to retire. <laughs> um, whereas I think that's what we talk about with this movie is I think if we would have given them at least one movie with the two of them together, yeah, it would have sold. It would have made much more money. Jeremy Renner's a great addition to the franchise. He did a great job. He can run just as fast as. Well, this, <laughs> this is coming part. on the coattails of Ultimatum. Ultimatum was, I think, a really well-reviewed movie. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, that's your favorite. I yeah. think it's most people's favorites. So you go from there, and expectations are high. You're kind of at the top of the, you know, top of the mountain there, and then you kind of go in a different direction. It's going to throw a lot of people off. I totally, I think that's what happened here. Not because people don't like Jeremy Renner or it's a bad film, but if your expectations are one way, and you know they don't think. This new movie is going to top the last one as yeah. far as writing right. and reviews and you know and direction and then obviously star power. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, you can see IMDb six point seven. I mean, that's not terrible. Six point seven is fine. It's yeah. It's just not good for this type of movie. It's super average. Yeah. Super average. And 6. if you get 7. even to average, go into the Rotten Tomatoes ratings, which is just astounding. Fifty five, fifty three, fifty nine. That's yeah. all pretty bad. And that's that's all critics, top critics, and audience in that order. Fifty five, fifty three, and fifty nine. I tend to feel like on Rotten, if if I if a movie is under sixty, it's not very good. Yeah. I tend to think if it's in the mid sixties, it's just average. And in the seventies, it's usually pretty good. If the audience gives it a, a score under sixty. Yeah. I usually don't 
don't want to watch that movie. Yeah, which is something surprising. Like no. Yeah, well, because I mean, like we said, I think the biggest problem with this movie is what we're talking about—that it's it's very derivative, and that's mm-hmm. I can see an audience member when they're seeing this movie just being like, "Ah, oh, this is silly. Like, it's all cliche. Yeah. I'm not going to give this a good review." But if you really can get out of that and just say like, "It's the same world. It's the same characters. It's happening at the same time, so it should feel the same." That's you. A lot of your characters are reprised. Mm-hmm. Why would we think that just because you have David Strather and you have the woman that plays Pamela Landy in their press conferences at the same time, if you know Ezra? whatever the hell's name is, the guy that Scott Glenn plays, yeah. uh, and Stacey Keach, they should feel like they're characters in the same world because it's happening simultaneously. Yeah. You know? And I don't think that's a problem. We, and we haven't even talked about, we will in just a second, after we talk about these reviews, the uh, the whole entire opening 25 minutes out in Alaska. We've like barely even touched on that. Right. That's I mean, some he, of the coolest stuff in the yeah, whole I mean, movie. He, Jamie Renner doesn't even have a line for 15 minutes of the movie. Yeah. yeah. I love that. Like, I mean, that. One of my favorite things about There Will Be Blood is the opening. Yeah. And it's just silent. Right. Just him working, you yeah. know? Like doing are, his thing. If you guys are curious what Andrew's home movie theater setup and collection looks like, it's a bunch of really depressing slow movies, and Andrew just sits there stewing in the dark by himself, Drinking watching the sound off. Yeah, yeah, no sound. His fist pump is like a swill of the scotch. It's not yeah. even like a movement of the hand. <laughs> um, but going back to the reviews, I think what's unfair about the the reviews on this is it starts off behind eight ball. I mean, it has such yeah. high expectations yeah. because Bourne elevated it. People expected this out of the film. Um, going going into it, you know, and it's kind of like on par with like a Bond film. You know, they expect so much, right? Um, that it's very hard to live up to those expectations. Yeah. So like if you go watch a movie like John Wick, I, I don't know what their views are on that, but I bet you they're very probably better high. than this. They're very high. I think the 80s. part of that is due because people go in, they're like, they had no idea. They just expected, like, whatever. The expectation's and totally different. It, yeah. That expectation, I think you lose a lot of points there. Yeah, completely. yeah. I mean, that's how I felt going into John Wick. I was like, this movie's going to suck, whatever. I'll watch it. Yeah, I'll drink awesome. my scotch, and I'll watch it. And it was super awesome. <laughs> very, very good. stole John Wick's car. Killed his dog. Yeah. Oh. So uh, I think that this, this review by Peter Howell um, from the Toronto Star is... Perfect. And not. In, I very rarely Feel a, agree with, yeah. the, with the rotten uh, reviews. So this one says, Gilroy's a fine writer. He also penned Michael Clayton, as Ben knows. Great film, if anybody's <laughs> not seen that movie. <laughs> Have we talked about that yet? <laughs> but without the discipline of an action veteran like Greengrass to rein him in, he indulges his weakness to over-explain things. Which is interesting because his over-explanation of things doesn't add any depth to the movie. It just wastes time. Yeah. Because this is the longest movie in the franchise as well. It's two hours and 15 minutes. The rest of them aren't, aren't even that close. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean, I I don't ever like to agree with rotten rotten reviews because I like the movies that we do and I like this movie. Yeah. But if you are gonna find a fault, I think that he kind of got it to a T right there. The fresh review is nice too. Anne Hornday from Washington Post says Gilroy's brought characteristic taste and skill to a nearly impossible task, embracing the past without completely erasing it, thereby creating an invitingly complicated and open ended future. Mm-hmm. It's definitely a different feel, but it, it's a different feel correctly. Like it's it's everything about the movie feels like it's the same, and then. It's like um, the pacing is much, much more like a drama than an action movie. Yeah. And that's maybe what they were going for. Or or some people, I guess, think that that's a mistake. I don't know. It's maybe one of the more... Po- I think it's actually one of the more positive elements to the movie. The pacing? Yeah. Really? I actually do. Yeah, I think it's one of the things that stands out to me that I like the most. I like that it feels more like a drama, more like a spy drama than mm-hmm. like just a straight action movie. Okay. All right. I feel you on that. Um, so, let's ultimate. talk about the ultimate action scene. I guess... Well, we can show this clip. Just because it's sweet. Because it's super sweet. <laughs> um, but Do you see Jeremy Renner's bicep in this scene? <laughs> you notice it through the jacket? <laughs> he clearly put on 20 pounds of muscle. 
I read an article about uh, the workouts that... Uh, <laughs> wrote an article about uh, movie stars' biceps. There's an issue of Men's Health that was released in October of 2012. <laughs> the uh, back page is blank. I wrote my article in that. There's also a really good line in this, uh, in this at the end of the sequence, too. And he's like, what kind of operating system, what kind of weapon system does this guy have? It's like, oh, he's probably got a rifle. Yeah. A really like, high-powered rifle. Yeah, powerful but. rifle. Yeah, I don't know. If you guys... Uh, this part, I think, is sweet. Just, he, I, just the... That, that's the one thing about all these movies. There's moments where you're like, God, that's smart. It's like things that they do. Yeah. If you guys just search um, Jeremy Renner bicep on Bing, uh, it's the fourth page of results. Here. Oh, no, I'll Bing it later. Don't worry. <laughs> it's not a big deal. Um, classic, lost classic smartest guy in the room. Yeah. So there's definitely, like... <laughs> Unavoidably so, because he's another super agent. Hmm. There's definitely like the tone of like talking heads being like, "Who is this guy? Yeah, she's got to be. She's being helped by someone. Who is he? Car pulls up. Two people yeah. leave. <laughs> this yeah, man is dangerous. You know. Yeah. And that you can't. It's unavoidable. Because there's this guy. There's a uh, doctor. What's his name? Who? Uh, his his fake name. <laughs> oh, I, I, can't I can't remember. remember. Yeah. When they call it out, he's like, "Everyone clear the room." It's like right after he says the fake name, and uh, you see him. Doctor such and such. Everybody clear the room. Yeah. yeah. He's like, "That's outcome five lose it Blackbriar Treadstone Larks, Larks. 3 <laughs> I love when he's Outcome. in the car with, with Rachel Weisz and he's like giving him their new uh, identities yeah and he's like you're this and I'm I'm Dan something he's like yeah, I'm James like, is, oh yeah it's Peter James it's like is that your real name he's like what no you don't know my name <laughs> he treated me 13 yeah. times what do you call me 5 5 call me 5 call me number 5 <laughs> yeah it was, that's good it was funny Oscar Isaac has like a like a small role. He's badass. But he's good. He's very good at it. I really and like the first 25 gets blown minutes. Up. And then he gets blown up. You know, Andrew, I feel up. like you could play roles that Oscar Isaac... It's so funny you say that, man. I feel the same <laughs> way. Same. Ter- We're the same person. I was in Drive. Um, yeah. Anyway, that's sweet. Um, I think the ultimate action scene in this movie, though, is the car chase at the end. Or the, the motorcycle chase. I think so. I mean, I, I do really, really, really like this that whole sequence. That's, that's yeah. definitely really cool. Um, the whole, like... The way it opens, and he's, like, climbing through the mountains, and it's just, like, he puts the backpack on and just starts, like, running over the peaks. Right. That's all really cool. He, like, cool. jumps across that gap. He comes yeah. out of the icy water. Visually it's the, very cool. It's this cool. thing that we talk about. We talk about this with 90 movies a lot. We say when you have that hero prerequisite. Yeah. And then as you've gone, and it's been 20 years since then, yeah. you get more of them just showing you things. Yeah. Instead of them just talking about right, it. Like, right. Like, they do both. But it, it's it's better to see all this stuff that he's doing up in the mountains. Sometimes they get lazy, but they yeah. do. But yeah. this this was not. This was all shot really well. How was shooting up there during that man? It looked freezing. Oh, I didn't work on that. Part. Oh, you didn't? It was no. really warm in the. Dude, though. why are you on the show? It's <laughs> the only question I had ready. <laughs> um, do you guys want to do favorite line? Should we do favorite line? What do you guys think? Yeah. Do we want to talk bi- about the bike scene at all, or no? Is there anything we missed uh, about it? Or is there we, anything can, we can we continue. I, I thought we were talking about it earlier. I just sort of figured we would continue to weave it in. All right. Well, I'm, I mean. No, any, no, no, no. Any, any particularly cool <laughs> anecdotes or stories you'd like to share? No, I mean, it was just... Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> it was warm. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, it was, a really, it was a really intense scene to shoot because, like you said, we were locking down traffic. I yeah. had, uh, we were training anywhere from, like, 60 to, like, 90 different local drivers how to do these stunt sequences to make it safe for our actors to be on motorcycles to be weaving through uh, traffic. And if you've ever been to Manila, it's like the traffic there is total chaos. Right. And we had to kind of recreate this controlled chaos, but also, you know, have safe lanes for for the motorcycles to go through. And a lot of stuff you see 
on film is usually either Renner um, is, is most of the time is Renner uh, doing it himself. Yeah. There's a couple of rigs that we use. I won't give it away, but I mean, there's a couple of rigs that we use. Uh, but a lot of times it's him weaving through traffic. Yeah. Very few times we use stunt doubles. Uh, maybe some of the more crazier sequences. But, you know, it, I mean, for me, it was really challenging. It was every day trying to talk to 60 to 150 uh, people who did or did not speak English. Right. So was and there a translator there for you just doing the whole no, thing? No. I learned about 30 words. <laughs> it's in, like the one guy in the back is just like, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of hand signals and me running around waving my arms. Um, I learned a little bit of Tagalog uh, while I was there. To just Can you say of, anything for us? Uh, say, where is the library? Say, turn left on 4th no, Street. I could say maybe <laughs> thank you, and that's all I kind of uh, have retained. Good. Um, Very But impressive. it was fun. I mean, and so when I saw it finally cut together... I mean, it's it it's, looks great. Yeah, and yeah. it's and it's and it kind of goes back to the last two Bourne films. Yeah, it's a very frenetic pace, which oh, I man. thought was really really fitting way. To that end is true. This film. Every single one of those movies had an incredible vehicle chase. Did you guys yeah. think it was as funny as I did that during the chase, uh, first the Lark, Lark's three like he like gets on the motorcycle and puts his sunglasses on. You're like, oh, that's cool. And then Bourne gets on his motorcycle and puts his sunglasses <laughs> back on. Like, this I was is like, really, cool. guys, yeah. really in like a well, frantic moment where you're running, you're like take the time you to put your sunglasses back on. Bugs out of your eyes, man. Well, yeah, you're riding a bike, you can't. You can't go fast with the wind in your face. So, so you have to wear yeah, It's a very logical thing that they did there. Gotcha. I'm, so, I'm a fool. I'm yes. sorry. Um, <laughs> so, dude, what, what I loved about that scene... Well, first of all, I love that Rachel Weiss was just like... I wasn't acting. I yeah. was fucking scared. Terrified. It was yeah. terrifying. Uh, Jeremy Renner was terrified because he's like, I'm going to kill Rachel Weiss. Like, you know... Uh, but the how I'm going to go out. When she <laughs> kills the dude, the Asian oh, guy... God, that's awesome. That wreck yeah. is so violent. Yeah, yeah. It's so intense... And I love that there's no explosion. Yeah. It's just like the bike flips. You see him like smack into the ground. He doesn't even move. It's yeah. just immediately dead. And then they slide off like that is, I mean, the movie ends like 10 minutes after that. Right. It is really a well, great action That scene. whole sequence, Larks is chasing him. And he actually even shoots uh, shoots him and he crashes into the uh, the vegetable market. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And you're like, oh, that guy's naked. Oh, no. He got up and he's still chasing him. He's and a then Larks. Like the T2. Yeah. He's a Larks 3 agent. But then, okay. when he, but then when he gets to that that part and he the bike flips and you're like, you're like nah, he's no, he's no not way. getting up from yeah. that. So good. Uh, yeah, so let's get into let's get into favorite line here. Yeah, guys. So if you're following along with us at home, uh, this is your chance to participate and throw in your favorite line. We're going to share our favorite lines right now and uh, and tweet at us and let us know if you would like to contribute to the story and the, all that. We have a Twitter now. We'll yeah. announce it again at the end. But if you want to tweet us, tweet it at AMA Podcast and uh, let us know your your favorite line of the movie. Yeah, and uh, I've got the the live chat for YouTube right here, so I'll try to read it as much as I can. Shout out some. Can I go with mine first? Yeah, please. Sure. I hope it's mine. <laughs> this is the one that I was talking about earlier when we when I was saying like it's like it made me laugh out loud because like you know they're they're in Manila and they're like tell him about Lark's three and he's like Lark's three. I thought that was just a proposal. <laughs> you're, like, you're like oh here we oh, go again. Of course. He's like it was proposed. It was yeah. It was proposed and approved. And he's like Lark's three. He's like what's Lark's three? And she goes it's Treadstone without the without the inconsistency outcome without the emotional norms. And you're like okay that's all we need to know. Right. He's basically just a super soldier that doesn't feel robot. anything. Yeah. yeah. And you're like it's just another one. He's just he's just the asset except it's like. Those two sentences are all you need. Literally all yeah, you need. Uh, and I started laughing because I was like, of course. Of course. Just along just along with like him taking an innocent girl with him and like protecting her and then they fall in love and there's like a, another shot like in a hotel bathroom of him like looking at her over the shoulder. Like there's so many things about this movie where I'm like, I've seen this in a previous movie. Right. This yeah. is like we've done this before. It's number one. Yeah. It's the tension, the, the sexual tension that builds a number in one. In the bathroom. The same thing. Yeah. Yes. In the bathroom. 
Hags, you got a line? Um, we actually kind of already covered two of the ones I really liked. Well, the one was about the rifle uh, taking out the drone. Right. That's a good and one. The other one we just talked about where he, she doesn't know his name. She calls him Father. Yeah, it's so funny. Um, but then there was another just really kind of quick uh, one-liner when he saves her from the uh, from the house, um, at her house. Yeah. And she's freaking out, and he's, she's asking, like, hey, are they all dead? He's like, yeah, they're all dead. And I love it because it's just, it's just very clinical. Um, yes, they're all dead. Very, like, yeah, very matter-of-fact, like, yeah, they're all dead. Let's move on. And kind of throws me back to, like, the firstborn when Matt Damon's in the car with uh, Famke Patenta. I think that's how you pronounce her name. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and she's talking and talking, and he's not saying a word. And as soon as she stops talking, he's like, dude, what are you doing? You yeah. Keep talking. Yeah. He's like, oh, I didn't think you were paying attention. But he's, yeah. just, he's so surgical, very clinical about everything that he yeah. does. He's just like, he's okay, I just killed four people. Let's move on. Yeah, right. What, what look, are we going to do next? Look, you want to live? We've got eight minutes. Yeah. yeah. Eight minutes to get out of here. Yeah, that's a, it's great. We were talking about that when I was watching it. I love that they suggest in these movies that these, like, super agents like yeah. this, like, when he's like, we've got eight minutes to get out of here alive, you know that when he's like looking around for that, that gas, he's like counting the seconds. Yeah. He's going to be like, we now have exactly six minutes and 18 seconds left because f- one minute and 42 seconds have passed since last time we talked. Like, that's what's going on. And now I've wasted another three seconds explaining this to you. Let's go. God, I'm so upset. Uh, I have two. Uh, my, my first one is what I used as our, because we like to give out hints to our viewers because they get pretty excited to watch the show and they want to watch the movies. Uh, it was, you were given a Ferrari, Ezra. Your people treated it like a lawnmower. And you're like, Oh, okay. Good. <laughs> Can you do it? What would it sound like if Albert Finney was delivering the line in, in the state that he was in in this movie? Get it on, Excuse me, Ferrari, Ezra. And you know, people treated it like a lawnmower. In the flashback clips, he's just incoherent. Yeah, he's like, we were talking in a quarter at the party. Like, what? You did what in the quarter at what party? Who the Who's fucking paying this guy? Yeah, it was pretty funny because he was already getting like pretty old by the third one. Like in Big Fish, he's perfect. Yeah. Albert Finney in Big Fish because he's like dying. Yeah, and he's like telling these like crazy <laughs> stories. And then this is just like him in Big Fish ten years later. He's just like a little <laughs> bit past the point. <laughs> we met it uh, years ago. Right, it goes for you. Go from sounding epic to like an alcoholic. <laughs> it's very good. Yeah. Uh, so loud. that was my first one. My second one. I love this exchange. He's, he's sitting there and he's annoying the shit out of Oscar Isaac yeah. at the table. And he's you know, don't you think it's weird? The wolves. Wolves don't track people. He's like, maybe they don't think you're human. And this is like right after you kind of figure out like everything that's going on with the pills and all that. Right. Yeah. It's just cool because it's like, yeah, the wolves are chasing you because they don't see you as a just a person. They see you as like this other alpha creature out in the woods, like living out in the woods among them. So those are my two favorite lines. Sweet. I know. <laughs> uh, let's two. We have we have recast we're still going to do, and we also have mm-hmm. our categories to do here, uh, or our not our categories, our lists. Yeah. Should we hit the lists first? What do you want to do? Yeah, let's do the list first. Let's do the let's do hero rank hero villain first. Start with hero villain. Okay, yeah. so top this the top fifty. It's our top fifty lists. Oh man, here we go. Is the writing too small for you? Tougher every week. I, my vision up close is a little better. Uh, all right. I don't think that I'm going to put Aaron or any of the crappy villains on my top fifty. Yeah, the villains aren't going to make it. Really, you don't think Aaron Cross deserves like a fifty? No, he's a cool he's a cool hero, and if they no, make another movie, movie, no, I I think he's top twenty. I mean, you got heroes, Luber. Aaron Cross, yeah. ever what? Why not? You guys crazy? That means you're putting him ahead of the T eight hundred on my list, on Andrew's list. You've that, offended me. That means you're putting him ahead of John Creasy for Man on Fire. Well, I think okay, well maybe not that far. Um, 
but you know, but I think he's not too far away from Bourne. I just think if you had a couple more movies, he would definitely he would definitely be there. So I think because of that, you kind of have to put him in that same category. All right, what he might do... move up for me if they make another movie with him and it's just as cool. And then I go back and watch the first one, and I'm like, oh man, this is cooler than I remember. But I, for now, he was cool, but not legit enough to like knock any of these guys off the list. I'm moving Rock Tansky down to 47, and okay. I'm gonna put Cross in at 48. Wow, he's sweet. He's sweet, but he's he's no Jack Trapp. Like when he kills those those like four security guards in that yeah. plant, like in so the violent. basement. It's it's amazing. Yeah. Did you notice what's at the bottom of the list here? The little uh, I didn't. I'm not, gonna look, I'm not gonna look at it. I'm not gonna look at it. it. Says at the bottom of my list. It says uh, asterisk. Ben thinks Samuel Gerard from The Fugitive is totally fucking sweet. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know, and and I like that the, the audience had so much to say about that because right. we really didn't know what to do. It's hard to know. We'll have to revisit later. Um, let's move to the next list because I'm not going to use either of these characters on my list. Yeah, let's so we're going to go into the movie ranking. Yes, this is the uh, the full rankings list. This is always very difficult. Yeah, this is going to be a really hard one to do because it's it's for me, I'm going to have a hard time like putting it ahead of anything, but I'm also going to have a way hard time saying that it's worse than a lot of these movies. I can tell you that it's going to be ahead of taking of Pelham 1, 2, 3. It's funny you would say that. <laughs> Definitely not that way for me. Uh, I am going to put it at number 21 and move everything else down. So right in between Mission Impossible 4 and Taken. Because I think this is a better movie. than That's a pretty fair... Ah, you know what? No. 21 and 22. I don't, think, I don't think it's as good as Taken. You think Taken's better? I think Taken's better because I want to watch it more and I remember it. But you're saying it's definitely ahead of Furious 7 for you. For me, yeah. I like that Lethal Weapon has just, just been just I know. Completely... We just look like the biggest jackasses in the world. Like, People we have love a, that movie. We have an yeah. action movie talk show and Lethal Weapon's in the bottom five. Yeah. It's great. Yeah, it's not, it wasn't that good of a movie. I mean, yeah, Rambo First Blood Part Two, Independence Day. People must think that we're crazy. Yeah. I tried to have that Independence Day conversation with someone the other day. It did not go well. Yeah, same thing happened They just have to, to watch it. They yeah. have to watch it again. All right, yeah. where are you going to put it? Let's see. Man of Fire, Predator, Rogue Nation. A Air Rogue Force Nation. One. <laughs> yeah, it is... It's probably it's probably ahead of Pelham. Uh, this yeah. is a good line. He's, he's like, "Do you have a plan?" Because my plan, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to wait for the next guy to show up and kill you, and then ask them what's, what to do. It's great. <laughs> Not really good with plans. <laughs> Not really good with clues. Plan good. He's kicking ass and ripping throats. Uh, I'm gonna. God, is this movie better than Speed? No, my list is so silly. How did I actually justify putting Taking a Pelham one to three that high? Because you, redo your list. That movie's so bad. <laughs> that movie's so fucking good. <laughs> better than Ghost Protocol. It's uh, fucking awesome. It's fucking awesome. Um, it probably goes more in the range you're talking about here. Is it better than John Wick? John Wick is better taken. It goes between John Wick and Con Air. So it's number 21 for you? Number 21 for me. All right. Um, and I'm taking a Pella may have to move down slightly. I can't imagine why. <laughs> but maybe we'll address that later. I don't know. All right. Let's, uh, uh, let's move on to recasts. And last week we did this. And, I, and, I, and the reason I wanted to talk about recasting and hashtag master recaster is because <laughs> I was him. That was me. I won. I love winning, guys. It's one of my favorite things to do is winning. And as we all know from my fantasy football season, I hate losing. I don't know if I'm going <laughs> to make you're it good next week. I'm very good at it this <laughs> year. good at losing. We're from champion to 14th to 11th place. So, you know, just got a chance. Still got a chance. Ha! Ha! Uh, yes, yeah, so what we're going to do here is we're going to take the main cast, uh, which in this movie we classified as Jeremy Renner, Rachel Weisz, Stacey Keach, and Edward Norton. And we are going to recast them as if this movie were made sometime between 1985 and 19. That uh, 2000. Like yeah. eight, 80s, 90s, essentially. I'm going to cast Matt Damon as Jeremy Renner. It's 
it's pretty clever. <laughs> pretty clever. <laughs> Boom! No, okay, let's work our, let's work our way from the bottom So up. once again, guys, if you're following along and you want to let us know, or you're watching this later, because this is just going to live on the internet forever, and you uh, <laughs> see and you see this and you're like, oh, I want to let them know that I think Andrew's awesome, or I want to let you know that I Jeremy think Andrew's Andrew's bicep awesome. is awesome. Oh. What? Um, so uh, <laughs> you can let us know by hashtagging on Twitter, Master Recaster, and let us know who won. Uh, we will continue to evolve this idea as we and go you can forward. And you can pick Matt. He can. I mean, you won't. You'll yeah. pick, probably pick me again. But oh, I like my recast this week a lot. You are, you do have one good one. I put in some. I put in some. I put in some work. I put in some time. <laughs> uh, so yeah, let's start with it. Let's start with Edward Norton, maybe. Yeah, let's start with Edward Norton. Okay. Um, you go ahead, Ben. I'm gonna go with mid '90s Dustin Hoffman. Um, Dustin Hoffman. Hoffman. So like Wolf era, era so. that Wolf hero, like hero era Dustin Hoffman. Like uh, what other like late '90s Dustin Is Hoffman? Rain Man. That's late eighties. Yeah, late 80s. I'm thinking more like. Um, so you uh, essentially want him to play Ezra? What? Like Ezra looks just like an older Dustin Hoffman. Yeah, but I was just because we, you know, Edward was kind of a fuck in this movie. Totally. He's just kind of a bitch. Yeah, um, and like he's like very like mousy. <laughs> Those are very intense words. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hate him. I want him to die. Uh, uh, Those are both like yeah, inflammatory, derogatory terms. So I should not say that. He's he's uh, standing right outside. He's basically Edward Orton plays in this movie just a very like. He plays a shit weasel. Yeah, no, he That's is. What he does. He sucks. He's a shit weasel. He is. He absolutely um, is. And so I just feel like Dustin Hoffman is very capable of being a shit weasel if he wants to be. He's yeah. very good at being sort of slimy and weak. Totally. And uh, yeah, I think it's a good age for him too because you need. He, he kind of has to be like at minimum late thirties because he has to have like served military time and yeah. had some. And also, they it's got to be intentional that they make Edward Orton look like so tired and yeah, like and red like eye, and yellow. And, yeah, his eyes are kind of red. He's got these yeah. huge bags on his eyes. It's like not intentional at all. Yeah, <laughs> right. He's just like watching this. Are you watching? Are you watching? Uh, what do you got, Matt? It's the Hulk. Um, I was going to go with like Malkovich. Oh, oh actually, that's sweet. That's a good like one. Being, like being uh, John Malkovich era? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think uh, almost like almost like a like a good the virus. Cyrus, Cyrus virus? the virus from right. Con Air. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, Strong. Like, you see him yelling and screaming at everybody in the room. Like, yeah. He's going to capture your attention. You're going to listen to him. He's got just enough of that like dickish attitude to, yeah. to, to hate him enough. Malkovich is a damn fine yeah. actor. It's funny because I actually had... Who I'm gonna use playing someone else, and then I I, I was just gonna put Spacey in, but I dropped him because I mm. think it's too easy. Uh, Guy Pierce, oh, because he is the ultimate arrogant, just asshole yeah. guy. Like he's always very intelligent and very arrogant in his movies. Yeah, I almost thought about casting him as Renner because he did such a good job of Memento, Memento yeah, of playing like that guy trying to figure things out. But I think that the best thing about Renner and especially uh, Matt Damon in the first ones is the innocence yeah. that he looks, and I think that. Um, Guy Pierce couldn't have done that. Yeah, he's just too hard. So I'm gonna put Guy Pierce in for Edward Norton. Okay, I like it. He like 90s though. Yeah, he's pretty. Isn't he pretty young? Yeah, but he gave me he's still 30. Yeah, you can yeah. Still go with it. Yeah, it's fine. Mm-hmm. Age him a little bit. He's a good actor. Yeah. Cool. All right, Stacy Keach. What do we got? <laughs> I went with Senor Brian Dennehy. I love Brian, like That's Tommy Boy one. era Brian Dennehy. Yeah, yeah. Tommy, he's perfect. Him right now, Keech. I'm gonna need you, Tommy Boy. <laughs> I love Brian Dennehy. So good. <laughs> uh, what do you got? <laughs> Do the voice. I'm gonna give you the voice. So what was your line? The, uh, it we was gave the you, uh, we gave you a Ferrari, Ezra, and you treated it like a lawnmower. We gave you a Ferrari, you treated it like a lawnmower. <laughs> <laughs> For those of you that don't know, that's John Voight from Anaconda. <laughs> Snakes don't eat people. I don't. Do I don't. Do Anaconda's at a perfect killing machine. Where the? Where are you from? <laughs> what, fr- what accent? I'm from Cuba. <laughs> really? <laughs> That's what do you so got? Jack, John Boyd um, and Stacey Keach. I think I like James Caan. 
Okay, yeah, 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 yeah totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's good at that. Yeah. Oh yeah, like like nineties. Like he was in Bottle Rocket around that time. Yeah, and he's good. He's like the right age. Yeah, yeah. I think so. I like that. Did you already use yours? Uh, I did. You did, Danny. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> what was that in the league at one point somebody references one of the girls that Ruxa dated in high school she looked like Brian Dennehy with long long <laughs> hair <laughs> yeah yeah Herdsman <laughs> alright what about Rachel Vice what do you guys got Thurman Pulp Fiction era okay it's like 95 yeah, yeah. I like it she's got a lot of character Thurman in she can play like Put on some glass. Like she could be the scientist. She could be scared. You were literally just thinking of the scene in the airport. That's the only scene that came to mind for you. Is the glasses with the the hood and the jacket. Don't know what you're. She's scared. I don't know what you're referring to. (laughs) Uh, I was gonna go Sigourney Weaver. Okay. She's kind of like she's strong enough to play like vulnerable, but by the end of the movie, she'd be really strong. Like Alien Three era. Yeah. Yeah. she, She a little too old. Uh, not that time. Like Alien Three, she's pretty young still. Yeah. Okay. She's like she's All probably thirties. Right. Oh, okay. My um, bad. My bad. My I bad went with uh, Ashley Judd, young Ashley Judd. Double Jeopardy, like Heat, Heat, Double Jeopardy. <laughs> yeah, she you might be a little be... too young, but I still think you could make her. Like in Heat, she she feels like she plays around thirty. Yeah, you can't go to trial for the same thing you've already been committed for. I've never seen Double Jeopardy. You should watch it. Tommy yeah. Lee Jones, not a good I feel movie. Feel like you should probably watch <laughs> Michael Clayton first. But... <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> All right, so I'm pretty happy with my uh, my Renery cast. And okay. I went with Ethan Hawke. Oh yeah, because he was doing that thing around that time. He's got that young baby face. He's Ethan Hawke, and I feel like the thing with Bourne again was that he wasn't physically intimidating. But do you he think was, he could pull off the action? I think so. I can't think because he's movie. been in action movies. He wasn't great in any of them. Like yeah. if I pulled up his thing, he did he did that stretch in like the early 2000s. Yeah. Um, but I think he could have done it early in the nineties. Because Training Day is like oh two, oh one, something like that. Yeah, right yeah. around there. Like that kid. Yeah. As Jason Bourne would have been perfect. Well, I mean, I guess this is Aaron Cross. Yeah. So it's a little different, but I think he could do it. Hags. Um, well, I kind of went like outside the era. I know we yeah. were doing eighties, nineties, yeah, but yeah. I would love to see like Steve McQueen doing this. Like, oh old, yeah, old, old yeah, school. you can go old, old. That's cool. Like, classic old McQueen would have been sweet. Yeah. yeah. Part of that was uh, because in The Great Escape, he does all his own motorcycle stunts. Yeah. And I just thought about that, and then this movie with the the whole end sequence, I thought he'd be pretty pretty badass on the bike, very clinical, very quiet, but yeah. uh, you know, kind of like a like an old school bullet, like you know, but come out to like be born. I I'm so curious. Like back in the day, like heroes from those days didn't have it wasn't like a very specific set of skills where they're trained in like every kind of fighting and they were like so you know like they were just like badasses that punched each other it's like hard to imagine a guy like Steve McQueen but like if that was the style of movie I'm sure right he, he, he would have done the training yeah he's yeah. such like a he was such like a masculine like hero back in those days and he was one of the original guys that did his own stunts I mean yeah. he did a lot of his own driving work a lot of his own uh, motorcycle work yeah uh, before they like kind of put into a lot of that yeah um, I went with mid 90s Val Kilmer I went with <laughs> Uh, it's, I thought of it when I started thinking about Ashley Judd and Heat, and then Hang I was that in the foyer and uh, Kill McGruber. Kill McGruber, <laughs> because I started to think about him when he plays Christian Hurlis in Heat, and he's a total badass. Yeah, like m- maybe the most badass character in the whole movie. He barely even talks, but like physically able to pull it off. Like great age for it, young enough. But like Renner doesn't look like he's like twenty two here. He kind of right. looks like he's about thirty. Um, and I think that that would have just been perfect. I think Val Kilmer, if he had, he had done this role, would have been awesome. Val Kilmer, the Saint. Yes. Yeah. Very, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Falcon with the Saint. I could see it. I could see it. Admit it. You like my recast this week. It's good. It's not as good as mine, but it's, it's decent. <laughs> Let us know. <laughs> uh, all right, guys. Hashtag uh, Master of Caster and just put my name right after it. Save yourself time. This brings us to uh, our our second to last uh, 
category. Probably the most useful <laughs> category on the show. And Something we do called Cage versus Cruise. Pretty much we don't need to talk about it at all, actually. No, not at all it's this just, week. What would have happened if Aaron Cross had been played by Tom Cruise? What would have happened if Aaron Cross had been played by Nicolas Cage? And which would have been better? I put Nick Cage as Rachel Weiss. Actually, in like mind. with his hair, with like the, the, it's like the, <laughs> yeah. the widow's peak, but it's like down to here, it's long, like Cameron Poe era, but like a little longer. Sorcerer's Apprentice era, next yeah. era, like all the movies that he's ever done. Era, <laughs> the blood they spill will be on our swords. <laughs> yeah, I am the White Ghost. Uh, all right, so wait, I'm not going to do the cruise. No, let's not one. do it. Let's uh, this. I'm interested to, to figure out. Really, I want to see where you guys categorize it. There's three categories in action movies, guys. There's Totally Ridiculous, which is characterized by movies like Face Off and Con Air, Falls Off a Cliff of Totally Absurd. There's movies that are totally legitimate, movies like The Fugitive or, in our opinion, Terminator 2. And there are movies that are ridiculously legitimate, which is sort of a hybrid pinnacle category. It's like ridiculous meets amazing, usually has at least one really strong performance, very compelling the whole way through, never really loses you, doesn't make you laugh too much, but if it does, it doesn't distract you. Right. Uh, And that is like The Rock or Point Break for us, Predator. I want to do the line. Don't do it. Just do it. Um, which of the categories does this movie fit into? For me, it's... Legit. Totally legit. Totally legit. I don't think there's any question. Andrew, no. I, really? I do! You think it's ridiculously legit? You just don't like this movie. This movie's not legitimate at all. No, I think, it, I think it's ridiculously legitimate, but I can't put my finger on why. I think it, it's, it's just kind of a combination of everything with the genetics and, like... Because it's, oh, it's, so, it's so cliche. Because it's. I so think it's because like, it, I think it's because everything that is done outside of Rachel Weisz and Jeremy Renner for yeah. me is not believable. Right, like the whole Norton, Keach, Ezra, Landy, yeah, all that. It just does. It just falls flat for me to the point of where I'm just like, this is just like a. A, a, this is just a scapegoat. This is just something they need to make this movie work. Just like a bad guy who's like cleaning his glasses while saying something yeah. nefarious. Yeah. He's like. As far as I'm concerned, she threatened national security. Yeah. Or he's like, he's like straightening his like his cufflink, and he's like, "She's a national traitor. Yeah. I'm evil." Like, yeah, like not she, she went from national treasure to national traitor. That's what I want to hear. She went from national. <laughs> tra- uh, yeah, I don't know because there's nothing about the action or Renner or Weiss or anything that doesn't feel believable to me. It's just the agency. And so it, that's, it kills it for me. Goes to the middle category for you. For me, I guess, yeah. All right, fair enough. Yep. Um, guys, we mentioned it once. We'll mention it again. Action Movie Anatomy now has a Twitter. It is at AMA Podcast. It will help us continue to grow the show and get it out there to the world and see the world and everything. If, what? <laughs> Are you singing that <laughs> song from Aladdin right now? <laughs> I can show you our Twitter. Uh, so please go and subscribe to us on Twitter. It is awesome if you do that. Um, well, we didn't get to our 100 uh, followers in a week. We did. We got close. We got to 70. We got uh, 70 this week. So we can't let you guys pick a movie, which sucks. But maybe we'll do a vote. Yes. Soon. We'll come up with some other way to uh, to try to get more followers and in tune, let you guys choose a movie. Uh, we just don't have it right now. Yeah, because we want to be able to let you guys choose a movie, and then we'll randomly pick one of you like we talked about before to yes. do the recast, your favorite line. Basically be on the show with us without being here. Yeah, yeah, you'll call in, something like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. Uh, guys, where can the good people of Twitter and Instagram find you? Uh, I'm not on Twitter. <laughs> You can find Matt destroying me in fantasy football along with Ben. Uh, and you can also find me at Andrew Guy on Twitter. Twitter and Instagram, Ben Bateman Media. Thank you guys for checking out the show. We will see you next week. Do we know the movie we're doing? Nope. Surprise! Extreme Waves are back again. All right. <laughs> Bye, guys. 
Bye, everybody. From producers Maria Menunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network, we would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit popcorntalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Popcorn Talk Network or its owners or principals.